This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. Make some noise, make some noise, let's go. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. It is a Monday drive, and I'm still in shock at that game in Charlotte yesterday. Because quite simply, I didn't think this was a team capable of beating another NFL team, let alone pitching a shutout. I don't care how bad and banged up the Lions were. The Panthers should not have been able to win the way that they did. But since they did so... I felt they we learned quite a bit about what this team is and the job Matt Rule's done so far. That game, to me, was the best proof that what Coach Rule is building is something special. So this is what I got for Panther fans today. Enjoy the journey. We don't do that enough. Anybody who has arrived at career goals always says, it's not the moment you do something. You get the big promotion. It's not the moment where you score the game-winning basket, the goal, all these things. It's the journey that you remember most. It's fighting to get what you want. That's what's most satisfying. It's the journey. So enjoy the journey, Panther fans, because it's been about half the season now, more than half the season. The question that everybody has, is this going to work in the NFL? Is Matt Rule going to be good enough? in order for the Panthers to get where they want to go under this man. I think we have a pretty clear answer with that now. Some might push back on it, say I'm overreacting. I think yesterday was proof. Coach Rule's a special coach. What he's building is something special. The players have completely bought into it, too. Used to be, when a college coach was hired to run an NFL team, we'd all ask the question, well... Can this guy translate what he did at college coaching pros? Will that same message be received by older men, by guys who have been around a while versus teenagers receiving it in college? I remember that was the core argument against Pete Carroll getting the Seahawks job about a dozen years ago. Boy, was that wrong. Went to a couple Super Bowls, still very competitive. I don't think we do that as much anymore. We've seen Cliff Kingsbury do it. Matt Rule now getting the gig. College coaches are more commonly considered for these jobs. Matt Campbell seems like someone out of Iowa State who's going to get one of these jobs. The players have completely bought in to what Matt Rule has sold. Trey Boston said as much yesterday. He said a few times after the game, this was a brand win. A brand win. So I followed up and asked him, hey, what exactly do you view that brand to be? And what he hit on, the core of what he hit on, can be boiled down to two things. Physicality and effort. That's the brand. Physicality and effort. It's easy. It's cliche. You might roll your eyes when guys hit on these things. We just want to be tough. We want to play physical. Because football is a physical game. And I understand that. If you're rolling your eyes right now, I completely get it. 
But what Matt Rule's done that's different than most of the NFL, what they're doing currently, he's made game weeks more physical. It hasn't led to more injuries. Guys aren't getting banged up at practice under Coach Rule. But Wednesdays, they go live. For those who don't know football terminology, that means it's like a game. You go live. You're not hitting quarterbacks, but everybody else, you're going full go Wednesday at practice. Most teams, the day before a game, you're going light. It's just a walkthrough. Not the Panthers. The Panthers practice on Saturday. They save their walkthrough for Friday because they want Carolina, the last bit of prep they do, to be physical, to mirror what you're doing in a game. That's worked. Matt says he got it from Tom Coughlin, what Tom Coughlin used to do. Keeping guys tough, keeping the physicality up, being a tough team. The effort piece, I think, leads to, you could stem that to the trust players already have in coach rule. They trust this guy. They're going to play hard for this guy, for this coaching staff. Carolina, they're coming off their worst loss of the year. Every other game they've been competitive. Their fifth straight loss, they got doubled up 46-23 against Tampa. The next game they're shutting out Detroit? That's an amazing deal. It's an amazing deal. You follow up that game where you are at your worst with your best performance. Might be the least talented Panther roster I've seen take the field. It was their best performance because of the effort. They wanted it more than Detroit. It showed. Every single jump 50-50 ball between a corner and a wideout was won by the Panthers. When the ball was down on the field after Rodney Smith fumbled, it was a Panther jumping on it. The Panthers won the 50-50 plays. They wanted it more than Detroit. The effort was there, and it came a week after their fifth straight loss, which was their most convincing defeat. But why do they trust Matt Rule? What is it? What's something tangible that could explain it? I think the way he handled the quarterbacks is a perfect example of this. I thought he handled it the best way possible. Teddy Bridgewater's the franchise guy. You don't want to rule him out, give him an opportunity to play in this game. You don't want to say early on in the week, you can't do something if you feel you can. So we gave Teddy the opportunity. Didn't take away first team reps from PJ or Will Greer in case he couldn't go. But Teddy did everything in his power to get out on that field. And before the game started, it's an hour and a half before the game, I see the videos. It's Teddy getting fed balls by quarterback's coach Pete, getting watched by everybody who's important in the Panthers organization. Joe Brady, Matt Rule, David Tepper, Marty Herney, they're all watching. And Teddy didn't look like he had any hitches in his throws. He looked healthy. He looked good. Wasn't limping at all. Wasn't favoring a knee. Matt Rule even said he looked like he was ready to go. He was going to play in this game. But in his gut, he decided to hold him back. Sometimes you just need to protect your player and understand the big picture of things, which is kind of what we noted all last week. It wasn't worth it. The fat Carolina protected Teddy tells me they believe he's a franchise guy. I believe he can be that. And Carolina is acting as such. But it's not just Teddy how he handled that. It's P.J. and Will Greer. Neither quarterback knew 
what was going to happen with Teddy until an hour and a half before the game. Neither knew whether they'd be the second or third string quarterback in the rotation until an hour and a half before the game. They said PJ is going to be the guy. And PJ didn't have any time to think of it. He stepped out there. He executed. It was a masterful coaching job by Matt Rule. That kind of performance, going back where we began, it didn't seem like a performance that was possible going into Sunday. The four most important players on the Panthers roster did not play. The four most important. I thought it was the least talented Panther team I've seen take the field in a decade. I still stand behind that. No Teddy, no Okun, no Christian McCaffrey, no KK Short. In addition to that, no John Miller on the offensive line, no Dante Jackson, and you pitch a 20 to nothing shutout? The defense, we talk about the effort of last week. How about the last four giving up 130-plus points in a four-game stretch, only allowing or only forcing two punts in that time? And you pitch a shutout against an NFL team? I don't care how banged up Matt Stafford is. I don't care what wide receivers weren't able to go, Amendola and Galladay. The Lions aren't good. They're not playing hard for their coach right now, who I'm surprised we haven't learned is already fired. Maybe if it wasn't a short week, they're getting ready for Thanksgiving, he would be fired. But that's still an NFL team. And Carolina's not a playoff team. They don't have the talent for that yet. And this was the least talented they've been all year. The, the most thin they've been, and they pulled out their best performance. The only way I can explain it, it's not the Lions being bad. It's Matt Rule and the Panthers being special. Coach Rule is building something special. And I would just encourage you, if you're a Panther fan, to enjoy the ride. Enjoy it because this team... It's going to be competitive soon, next year soon. A few more pieces added to this puzzle. It's a playoff team. It's maybe even the favorite in the NFC South, regardless of how good Taysom Hill looked yesterday. Let's go, baby. Kind of like this. Let's go. Back to The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. Yesterday made me question how much or how little I actually know about football. Because our next guest, he told me once upon a time, don't overthink the sport. Just try to collect as many good players as possible that you can and do so at cheap if possible. Carolina, going into the year, I'd argue the four most important players on this roster. Your quarterback, Teddy. Offensive tackle, Russell Okun. KK Short, who's on injured reserve. And on top of that, Christian McCaffrey. Those are the most important players on the team. None of them played yesterday. Carolina, of course, had a dominant win. So we welcome in Darren Gant, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter from Panthers.com now, to give me some perspective and to tell me something illuminating that might make what we saw at Bank of America Stadium yesterday be a little bit more palatable, make it more understandable. What was the most surprising piece you felt of the Panthers' 20 to nothing win yesterday, Darren? Well, I think the salient point about yesterday's game that explains everything is the Lions stink. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have that many good football players, and about half of them were hurt. 
Uh, and Matt Stafford wasn't 100%, and they look like they've quit on Matt Patricia, who appears about to get fired. And if it wasn't Thanksgiving week and there was an apparent interim coach on the roster, he might already be gone, but he's not. So, yeah, I mean, that's a team that, you know, I've seen coaches coming near the end of their tenure when it just starts circling the drain and nobody's really trying hard and putting everything in for the collective effort. And that's what the Lions looked like. And, again, let's not – I wrote last night for the website about the defense. The Panthers' defense stood up and had the kind of game they needed to have, first shutout in five years. But they were also playing against the Lions' offense where Stafford's got a bad thumb uh, and Kenny Galladay and DeAndre Swift and Danny Amendola weren't on the field with him. So it, it was – it was great that they played that way. It was great that they finally got off the field on third down, but I, I don't want to get too carried away and declare, you know, some of the players after the game, you know, Trey Boston was talking about, this is the kind of great defense we can be. Whoa, slow down there, Cowboy. Uh, I don't, I'm not ready to declare the Panthers a great defense just yet. Uh, they've got a lot of work to do in that regard. But, you know, I do think the fact that they were playing a team that's so beat down by life right now, certainly was a big component of it, but it's okay to be encouraged. I mean, and uh, I keep coming back to the fact with the Panthers this year that results of individual games doesn't really matter. The only thing that matters for the Panthers this year is can you find people who are going to be a part of your roster when you have a chance to be good? And, you know, listen, Brian Burns is going to be one of those guys. You know, Shaq Thompson's going to be one of those guys. Jeremy Chen's going to be one of those guys. Um, most of those guys are on offense, I and mean, let's be honest, but I, I think little by little they're figuring out who their people are going to be and, as importantly, who their people are not going to be and as they move forward. Darren Gant with us here. I think Trey Boston gave that answer about proving their great defense when I asked him about a phrase he said a number of times in his answers yesterday, that this was a brand win. And yeah. you've covered the Panthers since their inception and I'm interested in what you make of the brand that's already being developed by Matt Rule because it seems like Trey he really hinted on physicality and effort which I find to be very interesting things considering Carolina was on the heels of a five-game losing streak when they exerted that much effort and had the physicality stand out in such a way they could shut out an opponent 20 to nothing. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's all coming from that rule. This is quote unquote process, and process is the new tough and smart. Uh, and I wrote a story last week for the website, kind of drawing the parallel between John Fox's first year in '02 and what's happening now. Simply because, it, to me, it's inescapable. I mean, you're at an early part of the process. You're trying to find your guys. You're trying to create some kind of program, and 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 there is an incredible buy-in from these guys into Matt Rule. I mean, nobody knew when he walked in the door. I mean, everybody told us he was a good football coach because he had been one at Temple and Baylor. Nobody knew if he was a good NFL coach or not, Uh, especially after he hired a staff that didn't have all that much NFL experience. But so far, so good. I mean, those guys all speak the language. I talked to a number of guys last week who said, you know, some version of the message is clear. We're all... We all have the same priorities. We know what we're supposed to be doing. And that's the biggest challenge for Matt Rule this year, not designing a blitz package or calling the right plays or picking this kicker versus that kicker in preseason. You know, I mean, stuff like that comes and goes. But creating a kind of personality 
that sort of um, attitude about your team, whatever you want your quote-unquote football buzzword culture to be. And, and so far, it appears that the guys who are going to be central to that culture in the future, you know, guys like Teddy, guys like Brian Burns, guys like Shaq Thompson are all in on Matt Rule and what he's selling, which is only going to help in the future. Looking at other NFL action before we let you go, Darren Gant with us here from Panthers.com. Who do you feel is the best team in the NFC? Oof. Uh, I mean, obviously the NFC East champion is just going to go romping and stomping through the playoffs. Daniel Jones and the Giants, baby. Daniel Jones, baby. Yeah. Somebody, the Eagles are going to go in five, you know, five eleven or five ten and one, and just you know raise Kane all through the place. Sure, um, you know it's probably got to be at this point the Buccaneers. You would say. Um, I just, I mean, we talk about Tom Brady a lot, and you know, obviously they went all in uh, by going to get Tom Brady, going to get Antonio Brown. But I just like the way they play defense. I think Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles was one of those guys that took a bad job when he shouldn't have and did okay with the Jets. I hope he becomes a head coach again because he gets it. He understands that football doesn't have to be that hard. You do basic things well and and do the stuff you're good at. Don't do the stuff you're bad at. Um, He gets it. So I I like the way they play defense this year. That defense is good enough to make them a contender no matter who the quarterback is. So the fact that it's Tom Brady and he's got all these weapons around, it makes it a lot easier in that standpoint. I just, you know, for all of yesterday's stuff, I giggle at one-week overreactions when somebody says, oh, this proves that Sean Payton was right and Taysom Hill can be the quarterback. No, it doesn't. Proves Taysom Hill can be the bad Falcons team. You know, I don't trust the Saints as a playoff team. You know, maybe at all if if Drew Brees is as hurt as it sounds like he is. And, you know, because when you're old, it takes longer to come back from stuff. So I, I don't know how effective he's going to be or when he's going to be, to be honest with you. So at this point, that's a long way of saying probably the Buccaneers, but I'm also not ready to throw dirt on the Green Bay Packers. As long as they still got that number 12 guy, they're going to have a shot. That was a fun game to watch the end of yesterday against the Colts. And I think the Colts are pretty good, too. I mean, they're low-key, you know, I think they could make some noise coming down the stretch, even though everything I know about history tells me not to expect that with a Phil Rivers team. Darren, congrats on the new gig. Thanks for spending the time. I'm sure we'll be knocking on your door sometime soon. Oh, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, that too. It's Thanksgiving. Let's have a low-key Thanksgiving this year so we can have a big one next year. What do you say? Thanks, DG. You got it. And there he is. That's uh, Darren Gant. On Twitter, at Darren Gant. People got the popcorn. Let's give them a show. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. Right now, we're fielding your Let's Get Crazy phone calls. 336-777-1600. Hot takes and hot takes only. We will not judge a take for being too hot, but we will judge it if it's not hot enough. We suspend journalistic integrity for a 10-minute stretch each week. Before we get to that, the way Florida State Clemson postponed things this weekend, it's been covered in an interesting way, a predictable way, but a frustrating way. Essentially, here's how it works. If you even acknowledge Dabo brought up a good point, well, then you don't care about player safety and you think COVID is a hoax. That's how it goes on social media, which I have to keep reminding people. 
Twitter isn't real life. A lot of people are mad, especially after Dabo said this when he was alongside uh, Dan Radakovich, the Clemson AD, last night. If the standard to play was zero positive tests, then we would have never had a season. This game was not canceled because of COVID. COVID was just an excuse to cancel the game. To me, the Florida State administration forfeited the game. And if they want to play Clemson, in my opinion, they need to come to Clemson or they need to pay for all expenses. Other than that, there's no reason for us to play them. We were there, we were ready, and we met the standard. That does qualify as a hot take, Dabo. Seriously, if we didn't have the teams pointing back and forth, pointing fingers at one another, that would qualify as a let's get crazy take in the way that he delivered it. It was just, mwah. But I agree with him. Not on the Florida State forfeited the game front. That's probably where he went a bit too far. But I do think Florida State capitalized on an opportunity to dodge Clemson. They weren't expecting to have that opportunity, but once they were presented it, they took advantage of it. I already hear some of you questioning, how does it benefit Florida State? They don't get the revenue from having fans at the game. Last week, you may have saw that they told the Board of Trustees they have this massive shortfall in their budget. They want to turn away revenue from a home game, yada, yada, yada. They said they want to make it all up. Listen, they might think, if Clemson wants to play, they could play us on the 12th. We'll likely have Jordan Travis a little bit more healthy at that point, get some of these guys back. But if they don't, they lost a lot more than we did. We're playing a home game here, and we're not going to get drilled by 30-plus points when already Florida State fans are saying Coach Norvell doesn't know what he's doing and he should lose his job. Guys are opting out left and right. We're saving ourselves from a bad headline here. So I don't think it was Florida State's coaches. I certainly don't think it was the the players not wanting to play. I think someone in the, the administrative, uh, administrative staff, they, they found an opportunity to get out of this game, and they did it. That's what I believed happened. You get, I get paid to give you my opinions. You might not like them. It's fine if you don't. If I offend you, I'm sorry. I really am, but this is how I feel. They weren't willing to negotiate. I was told as a kid, my entire life I've been told this, you can easily tell if somebody's trying to find solutions if they're willing to listen to alternatives, listen to other options. Florida State wasn't interested in negotiating. Clemson, look at all the options they went through. We'll take an additional test today. We could play tonight. Nope, not good enough. How about this? We'll take a test today. We'll take a test tomorrow morning. We'll play tomorrow. We'll play in the afternoon or night. Nope, not good enough. We'll hold off two days to make sure you feel comfortable with this. Not good enough. Not good enough for Florida State's pristine medical um, medical unit. That's all about protecting people and making sure it's the safest possible environment. Got it. We're talking about the same school that has the most fans at each of their home games. I'd love to hear the medical folks present to me why that is safe. Because if they're the ones truly calling the shots, do you think they would have fifteen to 16,000 people at these games? Do you? Or is it possible the administrators make some of these decisions based and use the science as a tool, 
not as the primary function, but as a tool. 15, 16,000 fans at a game, and you're the one saying, oh, no, no, we cannot play because they traveled with the player ended up testing positive. On that front, Clemson didn't break any of the agreed-upon protocols. They have these COVID protocols. They thought of every single thing. We've all had these Zoom calls. These teams, they've thought of every single possibility. They've came up with solution. They've come up with a solution for almost everything to get these games through. And they thought of the solution. Hey, if somebody were to test positive on a Saturday morning from a Friday test, you contact Trace, you knock out people who are next to that guy, but you expand the roster. The road roster, the traveling roster, you went from 60 to 65 to around 80. That's why you did it. As Dabo said, if it's just one guy testing positive, that doesn't reach the grounds for cancellation. And he's right. Florida State accusing Clemson, well, they they practice with a symptomatic player. They traveled a symptomatic player. That's what we were told. That's what Florida State's argument's been all along, that Clemson acted irresponsibly, acted differently than we would. Hey, they, they played with a symptomatic player. They, they, they practiced with them, and they traveled. It's not true. I've been told this confidentially, been told this behind the scenes, that Clemson, on at least one other occasion this year, has dealt with this same exact circumstance. But somebody tested positive on a Friday, and the medical staffs came together. They both agreed they followed protocol, and guess what? Clemson went through with the game. Florida State just didn't want to play Clemson. <laughs> you could say, oh, they're trying to be safe. And I don't really want to question all of that, but I feel like if Florida State was in a different spot this year, they'd be getting that game in. They'd be figuring out a way to play the game. That's that's how I feel. And if you disagree with Dabo, you don't like Dabo, and that's what this has become. It's less about what happened on Saturday, and it's more about Dabo said this. And it's a referendum on Dabo. A lot of people don't like him. He talks about faith too much. He didn't go as far in supporting his players on Black Lives Matter, et cetera, et cetera. He's not enough of an activist, or at least not enough of, the, of an activist on things that I like. So it felt like a lot of the criticism from the last 24 to 48 hours of Dabo Sweeney did not stem from his comments yesterday. It stemmed to pre preconceived notions that they had before. That's what it seemed like. If you disagree with me and you think Dabo was wrong and Clemson was wrong, what should he have done differently? Because here's what we know. When it comes to the symptomatic player, Dan Radakovich, he addressed this on the ACC Network this morning. Dabo made this clear, and it makes sense. Monday and Tuesday, this player, who hasn't been named, backup offensive lineman, he had symptoms. So Clemson didn't practice with him. But you test Sunday, you test Wednesday, you test Friday. He tested negative on Sunday, tested negative on Wednesday. By the time they got to Wednesday's practice, he didn't have any symptoms anymore. Didn't have symptoms. So what do you do if you're Dabo? It's flu season. People might have the cold. God forbid you can get something else, not COVID. Do you sit this guy out, who again, at this point, is not showing symptoms anymore, has tested negative twice? Do you sit him out or do you allow him to practice? Well, they allowed him to practice. 
And then Friday, only one person tested positive. It was this kid who was on the flight. Again, they didn't travel with someone symptomatic. He was on the flight. And when Clemson travels, they wear masks and they wear full face shields. If you're Dabo, what else should he have done? What exactly? Because if you're standard, again, they travel with the guy who tested positive. If that is the standard, which again, it isn't, they have this protocol, they agreed to it, we've talked about it time and time again, you wouldn't get a football season in. The truth of the matter is, the ground is so uneven, and they probably should not be playing football in a pandemic, but they are, and all these players, they want to play, and they want to get out there, they want to get it going, and they've made sacrifices to do so, and somebody in the administration... Or maybe a health official decided that they didn't want this game to be played. That's where it ended up. All right. 336-777-1600. Let's get crazy calls now. Let's dive right in. Robert. I have a number of takes here. I'm ready to go. Let's start. Oh, the rules are simple. Hot take. If you have a good hot take, you'll be rewarded with this sound. Let's start in the world of Christmas movies. Where I believe the best Christmas movie is Home Alone. Here's my case. Find me a better Christmas movie that is equally enjoyable for parents and kids than Home Alone. A uh, Year Without a Santa Claus. No. You get both the Miser songs. Oh, hell yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm taking Home Alone because you got the Joe Pesci angle to this. You got, obviously, Kevin McAllister played by Macaulay Culkin. It's... It is the best Christmas movie. You got family elements. They don't make movies like this anymore. You notice this? Everything's so specialized where we're either going to make a movie that's it's only for adults or only for kids. It seems like the 90s, Disney, uh, they mastered the art of making movies that could be enjoyed by adults and also kids. They don't even try that anymore, I don't think. I guess it depends on what movies you're watching. I'm sure if I went through the catalog, we could find some that are for both. It's probably more generated towards movies that are for kids, but adults can also enjoy rather the opposite of that. But I can see where you're coming from. Home Alone, best Christmas movie ever. Robert Walsh, what do you got? Let's get crazy. It pains me to say this, uh, but I think it's true in my heart. And when you really think about it, it makes a lot of sense. The Undertaker is not on the wrestling Mount Rushmore and here's my case for that. It's Hulk Hogan, it's The Rock, it's Stone Cold, it's John Cena. All, all of those guys surpassed and came into pop culture as a whole in their different sections of wrestling. The Undertaker, while he can be attributed to that, I would name two to three guys that I would put on the Mount Rushmore before I put him. Ric Flair, Bruno San Martino. And potentially Shawn Michaels, even though I would hear the argument that Taker would go over him. Wow. That is a take. That Undertaker isn't the top four. 
Did you see the video of his opening match, his first match 30 years ago yesterday? Like as The Undertaker? Yeah. Yeah. When he debuted as The Undertaker? Yeah. So weird seeing how young he looked. For sure. I mean, and then if you really want to be weirded out, go check him out as when he was Mark Calloway, and he was just this big, tall, red-headed dude. Didn't have black hair, didn't have the all-black attire, was just a crazy dude that punched people in their hearts. How's he roll his eyes like that? Just kind of look up, like... Oh, you're pretty good at it, too. I mean, it's just, I don't know if you've ever... It looks like you were having your first time after prom, I don't know what that was. Wow. Very descriptive there. I got some news to pass along right now. Is it hot take news or just news? Just news. Adam Thielen put on the COVID reserve list. What a catch he had yesterday. Probably the best catch I've seen all year. Well, this is definitely the worst catch. Sorry, I had a feeling that that was going to be a bad joke. (laughs) That's good. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, there's no way he's not going to play against the Vikings on Sunday. Uh, So that's noteworthy Panther news. Staying in football. The Baltimore Ravens aren't going to make the playoffs. I'm sorry, Robert. You want to make a bet? No. But they do remind me of somebody. These Ravens remind me of the 2016 Panthers. They had the 15-1 Super Bowl year in 2015. The year after, Carolina, for one reason or another, just got banged up. Uh, you lose guys at key spots. Yesterday, it's just a terrible break that you're without very important defensive players as you go up against Derrick Henry. That's not exactly what you want. And Lamar, yeah, it's just tough. The identity feels different, where it feels like you're not do you're not trying to do the same things you did a year ago so well, or maybe defensive coordinators are just so good in this sport that they figured out ways to get you out of the offense. In Carolina, they had that problem in 16. They probably had a little bit more injury problems to the point where Cam didn't play the last four games. They finished 6-10, and 10, but Baltimore is definitely taking a step back here. You should not be draining the water out of your canned vegetables, especially corn, Josh. You didn't have any reaction to that? Nah, because when I tell you my reasons in believing in them, you always just roll your eyes at me. So instead, I'm just going to say they're a 6-4 well, no. football team. Well, no, give me give me your reasons in believing. I, I just think that the offense isn't clicking. When you look at the stuff that throws that if, if someone would have done their job, it would have been a completely different game. There's a throw to Hollywood on the end zone, and... Lamar held the ball too long. If he would have thrown it earlier, it would have been a touchdown. Hollywood's also doesn't have the best hands we figured out. It's not so much the hands either. Is it Lamar's throw and he's throwing too late? He's holding on to the ball, worrying about stuff and it, penalties on, when they march down the field at the end of the game and they're about to punch it in. He throws the ball and it's a false start on Des Bryant. They moved all the way down the field like they have an all game and. They just can't put it together. But if they do, it'll be fun to watch. All right, rapid fire here. Rapid fire, let's get crazy. What do you got? The water out of a can of corn is delicious and should not be drained and instead should be drank. That is a very hot take. Taste it. I'm telling you, taste it, and it'll be the best corn water you've ever tried. I I support Del Monte, but I could be down with some Jolly Green Giant. Clemson, Florida State's not going to play this year. Next year, they're going to play in Clemson, and the Tigers are going to hang 80. 80 on Florida State. That is a take. 80 is a take. Yeah, for sure. But also, would you be surprised if they hung 80? No, not at all. Well, 
No Trevor Lawrence, so maybe. Yeah, I would be a little DJ surprised. DJ I mean, DJ, I'll give him a hook on Baron Horn, but uh, I would be surprised if they hung 80, so yeah, that's a take. DeMarcus Cousins agreed to a one-year deal with the Houston Rockets. Hornets, what are you doing? Yeah, come on. How'd you let that guy slip through the cracks? That'd be great. Uh, Close sa- us out. Safety should give you more than two points in football. It is such a hard thing to get a safety. They can literally run the ball right up the middle. Why do they give you just two points? I, I don't know the scoring reason, but it should be more th- worth more than a field goal. It is definitely harder to get a safety than it is for somebody to kick through the upright. It should be a half touchdown. So you didn't quite get a touchdown, but you sacked them, so you should get three. See, I would agree with three. I was going to push for five. No. Dude, because it could change the way we gamble on games so much. Like, just if you get safety, it's five stinking points. That's a huge deal. As aside from two, that it's kind of like, well, who cares about two points? It's kind of ridiculous when you think of it in the context. Okay, well... If they throw a pick six, you only get one more point for an actual touchdown than a safety. Well, you get to you get to kick the extra point too, or you could go for two. But with a safety, you only get five. There's no option to get extra point. Ah, only. There's, there's no option to go for two. Five points. And I mean, why the hell's it two? So why the hell couldn't it be five? Well, but, you also get the ball back, which you don't do. Okay, look, I I will I will give you four points, and you get the ball back. No chance for extra points or. Uh, going for two. Okay. Cool deal. I'm glad we could come up with a, a reasonable explanation for that. Compromise. The hallmarks of a radio marriage.